Hello and welcome to the Zwift SPS podcast. Last year, I rode the most kilometres I've ridden in more than a decade, and a fair portion of it was in the garage on Zwift. Mainly because it's fun, the bonus was I got fitter in the process. Zwift had me connected with friends from all over the world who I hadn't ridden with for ages. Friends from Dubai, London, Wellington, Perth, Sydney, even friends in Melbourne, all on the same ride. It also got my competitive spirit going, so I made the most of the structured workouts in an effort to get the better of my mates on our weekly meetups. The biggest debate often been where to ride. My favourites, the Champs-Élysées, dreaming about winning the final stage of the tour, the Watopia Mountain Loop, I love the one up to the radio tower, and the RGV course in France, simply because it feels really fast. And I'm enjoying exploring the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, uh, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. He has arrived. He is now in Sydney with me. It's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm pretty good, mate. I, I feel like I feel like we're back. We're sort of back to the old school days, you know. There's this is not a video podcast. We haven't. This is back old school. It's TDF. We've settled in. I know we're not in France, but you know, I did have to get on a plane. I did have to go through some sort of customs because <laughs> I had to fill out a form that I had to show someone when I arrived in Sydney. Um, so it sort of felt like a special trip. <laughs> it was only 45 minutes, though. That's yes, the thing. <laughs> I know. But it feels good. It does feel good. And, it, you know, it feels good that we're actually all in the same building. Uh, not right now, but the whole team is here. And we're with our great boss, who we all love, Kath Whelan, um, who's heading the charge for the SBS coverage. Absolutely. And then uh, today we had a, I had a, I had a, I had a crap. I'll show you where we could find a, a crap. Yeah, that's yeah. A <laughs> you had a crap. I had a crap. You can't say that. <laughs> I had a beep. No, <laughs> yeah, no I had a chocolate crepe. Huh? <laughs> first one. <laughs> now it sounds Pancakes. even worse. <laughs> oh, jeez, anyway. we've got off to a good start, haven't we? Oh, anyway, let's start cycling. Uh, we're just on the edge of oh, the Tour yes. de France. It's starting tonight, uh, for that matter, on SBS, of course. Uh, I mean, there's been so much hype about this tour. Uh, sad we can't be there, but yet again, Brittany will be on showcase. I mean, I love the region. I know you love it too. Yes, yeah. uh, and it's going to be an incredible start because it's, you know, usually we have an easy inverted comma lead in into the Tour de France, but this is starting straight up uh, because the, the next few days, they're not, they're not easy stages. No, they're not. And, and, Look, it gives me when when you mentioned straight away then Brittany the start. I remember, gee, it was actually probably ten years ago now, uh, possibly even more. But I remember there was a start there, and stage one was a road stage, and it was a really tough road stage. There's no easy starts in Brittany unless it's a prologue. Even then, the prologues probably aren't easy. So that's what we're going to get. And back ten years ago or so, it was Cadell Evans, Valverde, and. Phil Gilbert, I think, who fought it out for the stage win. I think Gilbert might have won the stage, in fact. We're going to see similar protagonists uh, in this opening stage. It won't be the sprinters. Don't expect to see Caleb Ewan. Don't expect to see Mark Cavendish. But how good is it to have him on the start line? We'll get to that 
in a minute. But yeah. uh, is it though? <laughs> <laughs> That's just a preview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's proven he proves us wrong. God damn it! And we don't like that. We <laughs> said he was finished. He was done. He was washed up. And uh, but you're right. We, we'll, come, we'll come to him in a, in a minute. But uh, in terms of the, the the start and the Aussies, let, let's start with that. Mm. We've got ten Aussies, and and I know last year it was it was bad for the number of Aussies. We only had two last year, uh, but this year's it's on the up. Uh, back exchange is delivering in a number of Aussies and good quality uh, riders as well, but they are across uh, the teams now. It's not just back exchange. No, they're, they're spread across the teams, and you know I'm just flicking through the start list now. Of course, we've got the recent Criterium de Dauphiné winner, Richie Port, and podium from last year. He sort of leads the charge, really. I mean, we talk about Caleb with the stage wins, and of course, you know we're going to be focusing big time on Caleb in the opening week, but. Really, Richie Port, you can argue, he's in the form of his life. It's it's actually incredible. So he's with the Enios Grenadiers. So let, let's go. Let, let's just stop a minute on yeah. Richie. Uh, and we talked last week on the last week's podcast about uh, how surprised we both were for him joining uh, Enios Grenadier. Uh, uh, but this year, you're right. He's having such a good a good time on the bike. Uh, how do you think he will fare? Because there's a, there's an arch leader, Geron Thomas, yep. he's leading that team. But seriously, Port, Richie Port is plan B. He's not even plan C. There's Carapaz. Well, Richie, there's Carapaz Richie. and there's, there's also, we forget, I mean, they've got a super team, uh, Tao Gagenhart, yeah, last year's Giro winner. But they've would, got you, incredible. Would, you say, would you say Richie is plan B? I think so. I think off his criterium to Dauphiné winner, uh, win, he's, he's got to be, he's an equal plan B because yeah. he's, if, if, you know, look, the difference is, Gagenhart and Carapaz have also won Grand Tours, or mm. won a Grand Tour each, which is both have won the Giro. And of course, you've got the former Tour winner in, in Thomas. Richie hasn't done that, but he has finished on the podium. And there's nothing, it doesn't matter what you've done, current form reigns supreme, right? So what I mean by that is last year, we saw that Chris Froome and Garrett Thomas got omitted from the to yep. a lineup because their form was no good. Mm-hmm. Now Froome, in his massive defence, was coming off the back of you know a, a, a life-threatening injury even, and and we know where he's at. And G just had bad form. They were omitted from the the tour team. Yeah. Um. You know. So Rich. So saying that Richie is in brilliant form. He's won the Dauphiné. Um. He had Taylor Gagan up with him there and Garrett Thomas. They they were going pretty well. Mm-hmm. By the way, they weren't. They were no slouches. But um. Richie, he's in great shape, and I think he's going. What he will be, I think, in the first week will be a protected rider. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we uh, move on from uh, from Ineos and look at the other Aussies, um, we got to talk about Caleb, of course. Uh, Caleb is going for controversy. Yeah. W- was it a controversy or not? Probably not. I mean, we've sort of uh, talked about it before in, in this previous podcast, but uh, he um, cut only to the fish and chip papers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, he cut his, his Giro short clearly to concentrate on being here and being ready he shaved his head for our aerodynamic I saw that I saw <laughs> uh, that yeah how ready is he and and I mean, hypothetically uh, he's, he's building up the buckets with the number of wins but how many can he fit into the bucket this year look it's Wh- a good what would be a success oh, look I think any sprinter when you get to the Tour de France and even the best sp- sprinters realistically one is a success I think they all say that initially they all hope for more obviously but I think you just got to get that one notched up and then, okay, then you can focus on the next one. I know it sounds pretty obvious what I'm saying, but 
you know, they don't get ahead of themselves. You've got the best of the best always every year at the tour. The best, the best sprinters, the best climbers, the best GC guys, and the best guys on form. That's what you get at the Tour de France, which you, you probably, and it's not discrediting the other two Grand Tours, but you don't always get that at mm -hmm. the other two Grand Tours. You get great races, but the Tour, you get the best of the best. So for the sprinters, they all just say, okay, I've just got to nail one win and the team's happy with me and then anything's a bonus. So Caleb will look for stage three, I imagine. He'll try to nail that. And then, you know, realistically though, I think he can nail three. Realistically, if he's unbeatable, he can nail more than that. But you've got a couple of you've got a couple of new elements this year, and the big one for me, Christoph, and I, you know, I think there's not a single person that will disagree with this. Matthew Vanderpol. Yes, this guy is. Because we, we don't. He's Wout Van Art Mark Two, and we don't know what he's capable of on the Tour de France on three weeks yeah. in a race like this one. Yeah, he's look. He's not. He won't. He, the, the difference between him and Wout Van, Wout Van Aert won two sort of bunch kicks last mm -hmm. year, didn't he? Um, Vanderpol might not do that, but he might solo for 30 kilometers in and win. Yeah, he 30, might, 30 make it 50, mate. He might win. He can, he he, can do it on 50. He <laughs> might win stage one and stage two. Yep. You know, so he's got this. He's got these. He won't climb as good as uh, Wout Van Aert can in the mountains, but. He, they've made it clear and they've built a team purely around him mm -hmm. for the sort of sprint stages and those, you know, sort of um, puncher sort of finish, um, finish finales. Yep. So there's, you know, it's, it's going to be... And then you've got guys like Michael Matthews yep. who will look to challenge Van Aert and Matthew Van Der Poel. That's his sort of terrain. And, you know, we can't, we can't write off Peter Sagan either. Yeah. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of guys there in the mix. Absolutely. Do you how do you think Caleb took the comeback from comeback kid Cavendish uh, I think I think he will see it as a a, 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 a like good it's a good um, it's a good um, target oh, he will he will be hunting he'll be hunting Cavendish but he doesn't have to hunt Cavendish actually Cavendish has to hunt Caleb Caleb's the new Cavendish mm -hmm. Caleb's the new Caleb you know he's the man to me and I think there's not too many people will disagree on current form, Caleb's the fastest sprinter in the world at the moment. Do you think he's a good diversion for the media, for Caleb? So like all the uh, noise. Cav. On, yeah. Oh, totally. So like Cavendish is going to suck up all the media, which and is he'll probably love what it. he wants. Yeah. Uh, but then Caleb would be probably left alone or uh, more alone. So that's a good thing for Caleb. Yeah, it's, yes, it is. And and look, as Matty Keane and has said, you know, I think you might have been in the car when we were discussing it, um, heading into work yesterday um evening um you know kev he, he he look he's great for the media as in he's either winning and it's controversial or he's he's going off his line in the finish line it's controversial or he crosses the line in first place but he gets dq'd you know but he at the cry, end of the day he cries because he wins he yeah, cries because yeah. he loses yeah exactly <laughs> you know he but he wears his heart on the street. no no and you've got to you know at the end of the day I've, i think i've always loved that and i'm not saying i love it with cavendish i don't love cavendish as a an athlete but i certainly respect um you know what he's done and how can you not he, he's i mean He's, he's the biggest and the best of the yep. last 20 years at the Tour de France, isn't he? In terms of sprinters. What, 30 stage wins? Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's your humble pie ready, mate. Your humble pie is ready. 
right? What are you talking about? There's two slices. We have to eat the humble pie. We said <laughs> it before. Do I get it with cream? Do I get you cream get it with top? what you want? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we have to eat humble pie because we didn't see this. I mean, no one saw this. No. Coming, but we were vocal and we ends up, we were the first one yeah. to go and say, wow, we don't believe he, he can make a comeback. He's, he's won some stages. He's at the Tour de France now. So, yes. so okay, yeah, you're right. Full on. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll eat my humble pie. I don't like to, but I will. <laughs> um, so the question now, though, off the back of that is, and this is a question for both of us. I'll, I'll ask you first. Yes. <laughs> will he win a stage? Will Cavendish win a stage? Do you know what? I reckon he will win one. He will win one. Okay. And what about, imagine that, he wins in Paris? Okay, my instincts say no, but I'm, I'm scared to say no because he'll <laughs> prove me wrong. Imagine, so you don't ima- know. Imagine, That's the thing. He, but imagine what he has to prove now. Well, he won three or four stages I in mean, Turkey. M- more than anyone, you know that winning a sprint is in the legs, but it's also in the head. Yeah, we know and, that. We, and, and did you see, and just for everyone listening, and I'm not sure if you saw it, his stage winning Tour of Belgium, which yeah. was perfect timing, you know, because he still wasn't guaranteed a spot even with Bennett. Bennett's dodgy knee and mm. having to withdraw. But his stage win in Belgium, Caleb was there. Caleb had won, I think, two stages. And it was a it was a pretty much clean sprint by all the sprinters. And Cav got the better of all of them. Yep. And he and he sprinted quite long. So imagine what that'll do for his confidence. Do you know what? I've got some more humble pie in the freezer. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it ready. You know what? Pull it out now. It'll take a couple of days to thaw. Yeah, maybe Might be time. <laughs> uh, any other uh, Aussies we need to, to look at? Of course, we, we got to talk about Jack Haig. Yeah. Uh, Jack Haig has been uh, coming up slowly but surely in, in the ranks of, uh, of world cycling. He's now with uh, Bahrain Victorious. Yes. Um, what could he expect? And on back of that, I'm going to ask you another question about the Paul Cadet jersey. But go, go okay. on. What, what, yeah. can, what can you expect? Okay, well, can I, can I put, th- I'll put three of the Aussies in the same okay. bracket. So Jack Haig is one, Ben O'Connor, and of course, Lucas Hamilton for Team Bike Exchange. Um, I think for the three of them, I think they'd be aiming top 10. Look, they might even be aiming top five. Top 10 is realistic, I think, for the three of them. Um, and I think it's a possibility. They, they need, like, like any GC guy, they need everything to go right. They need to make the splits. And they need to have good form mm-hmm. and stay healthy. You know, they're, they're pretty much the elements that you need to produce a good three-week ride. And of the three, who do I think can produce the best ride? I'm not sure. Maybe Jack Haig. But you know what? Lucas Hamilton is a little bit under the radar because yep. we've, we've sort of focused a bit on on Ben O'Connor and, and Jack because of the recent criterium, the Dauphiné. Um, but look, Lucas Hamilton, he's been on a slightly different program, I think, to those guys throughout the season. But look, Lucas Hamilton could run top 10 at the tour. He could he could have a breakout three weeks. And, and he's got a strong team around him. He's got two other Aussies on the squad and a, and a, a really strong squad to help him. Yeah, absolutely. So just on the case of uh, Jack Haig, mm. uh, do you think he or sh- he should or he could challenge for the Polkado jersey. I'm just going to place this in. Uh, we spoke about Richie uh, last year. I think I, I kept on asking Richie and he yeah. laughed it off. Uh, no Aussies have ever won the Polkado jersey. Uh, why is that? And do you think someone like Jack Haig is cut for it? You mentioned that he, he could be top 10. What is worth more? Top 10, 9 or jersey at the end of the tour? So I'll ask, I'll answer sort of the first part of that. You know, no Aussies have ever won the KOMY. It's because it's not in their job description. 
if that, you know, if we sort of think about the sport, and it is, it's a business nowadays, and it has been for a long time. So most of the Aussies that line up at the Tour de France, it doesn't come in there under their job description. Okay, that's what you've got to go for. And so for Jack Haig, and and look, realistically, Lucas Hamilton could go for the KOM, and so could Ben O'Connor. And I'd probably... Possibly Ben O'Connor, I'd say, is more suited to it because he's an attacking style rider. Not that the other two aren't, but Ben O'Connor, we've seen in the last couple of years, he's eager to get up the road. He's eager to go on the attack. That's how he got his Giro stage win. And that's how you collect mountain points along the way. But for Jack specifically now, he has come here as a leader, a team leader. And their goal is to put him, I think, inside the top 10 and maybe top five. So... For them, if he does finish ninth, that is more successful than the KOM jersey. But the, the, uh, I'm just going to go against this yeah. in, in, uh, or in my two cents, but a nine, ninth of the Tour de France, who was ninth in 2004? I couldn't tour? tell you the last 15 you know years. I mean? and, and you don't finish on the podium. Yeah. The jersey, you're on the podium. You're on the podium. You're, you're absolutely on the right. You're, you're on absolutely the right. But the thing is, he's, he's on the, uh, what's, how do they say it? He's on the, he's on the slow burn. So he's on the he's on the long term goal, Jack Haig. So he's he is building his GC qualities, and obviously with Bahrain victorious, remember he's left um, Bike Exchange, new team for him. So he's building his GC pedigree, and this is his focus. The team have given him the green light; they're going to fully back him and support him, and he's got a pretty strong team around him. So. He needs this. He needs a top 10. So if he does finish, say, ninth, let's say he finishes 10th, that's a massive result for him. And it's actually, it'll be worth more dollars on his next contract than the KOM jersey. Interesting. The only, the only difference would be, the KOM jersey would be sort of a salvage thing, right? If he loses time in the first week, let's say he crashes, punches, um, or gets sick, you know, just, just has some bad luck. A number of those things. By the time they hit the mountains, he's come good, but he goes, my GC hopes are lost because I'm 15 minutes down already, but now I can get up the road because I'm 15 minutes down. I'm not a threat to the overall, and I can start building up some King of the Mountain points. And then it totally... And and for those three Aussies that we've talked about, that's so that's how they'd play it. Well, that's how I'd play it. If I was in their shoes, I'd be I'd be get totally going for the GC um, high high position. You know, and look, if they were, if they were 30, 34, or 30 to 35 years of age, sure, KOM jersey is better than ninth or 10th. But at their ages, mm-hmm. um, right now, a top 10 is a massive result. Yeah. Let us know what you think, actually, on Twitter and, or on Facebook. Let's, in the comments below, uh, let us know. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think the, the Polkadot jersey is something achievable? And, and just to... Just uh, to is to it even worth it? <laughs> well, no, well, well, let's just um, put it in context because... You said to me off mic, and you've said to me previously, the polka dot for French cycling and at the Tour de France is massive. Yeah. What, do you rank it number two or is the green jersey Definitely number two? Definitely number two. But the polka dot is number well, two. It's interesting. I had a chat with Tomo today about yeah. it. And he said, no, no, in us Aussies, green jerseys is number two. Well, we've had big success. I think it's because there's a history of yes. green jerseys here. Yes, correct. And why, why is there in France? There's a history of polka dot jerseys. Dot, yeah. So for us in France, polka dot is, the, is probably the next best thing. It's a, it's so maybe I'm coming from that angle saying, why are you guys doing? Why are you not going for the polka dots? It's true, though. I understand it. I totally get it. Because if we'd had a bunch of Aussies that had won the polka dot yeah. over the years, we'd probably have more focus on that. Yeah. It's just a... But 
there's still room for no, no, an Aussie to be the first. There is room, <laughs> and it's a it would be a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Well, maybe. maybe we'll channel it. We'll 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 get some intel. Maybe maybe Richie Pot remembers what we talked about last That's year. Right. Well, maybe that could be his goal this year. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, yeah. And maybe on the podium he's going to go. Thank you to the Swift Cycling Central podcast to remind <laughs> me about. I forgot about the jersey. Yes, <laughs> yes, because we did ask him that last yeah. year, didn't we? In the bus, and he Paris. looked at us puzzled, <laughs> and I was just like, "Mate, it's my French pal here. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I know you're going for the podium. <laughs> he he thinks the polka dot is more important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, if if we look at the map a little bit, uh, there's clearly three big zones. We have Brittany, we've got the Alps, and we've got the Pyrenees. That's the three sort of areas. In between, there's some long sort of transition stages, but the key parts are Brittany, that we talked about, which is just about to start tonight, uh, but then the Alps and then the Pyrenees. So what do you make of the route this year? Because that, this had, had to be rewritten because of the, the, the Copenhagen start that was taken away. Yes, uh, yes, and, correct. And basically the, 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 the map was redrawn. But could you see week one, Brittany, week two, the Alps, week three, the Pyrenees? And, and how can that play in the GC? Um, Brittany is always selective. It's tough. Well, you've got Mur de Bretagne on day two. So. Yeah, and the weather can, the weather can switch there. You know, even in summer, you know, and yep. like when you said I, I love that place too, I, I hated it when I was a pro and I <laughs> raced there quite a bit. And generally, I, well, I did race there sort of early season, but I'd race there in July. It's still it raining. Was, oh, it'd be terrible. <laughs> oh, it was like, it was, you were copying all that weather from, from England. Yeah. You know, it always comes across the English Channel, as you know. So you can get a bit of everything there. You can get crosswinds and it's those rolling hills and they're not... They're not sort of lively roads. They're old country farm roads. And, yeah. and there's no beautiful. rest. There's no rest. There's no rest. No. And then, look, we always argue, most pros will argue and debate that those days are actually harder than climbing two or three coals mm -hmm. in a mountainous day. Because a mountainous day, you're either riding GC, and if you are, well, then you're suited. And if you're not, you're not even trying to ride for the win or you're not even trying to stay in the peloton. You're riding in the groupetto, so you're riding at your tempo. Whereas on those undulating days in Brittany, 200 kilometres, you can't, you can't afford to get dropped because you could miss the cut. Yeah. So you've, and if you get dropped, you could be on your own. They are brutal days and they're ridden at a really high speed. So, so do you think Brittany can be selective? Yeah. Or can can yeah. it actually start to select some of the... You, you can see GC, GC guys race end there. Mm -hmm. not not as in potentially pull it well maybe pull out or because they've crashed out or they've lost 10 minutes yeah or five minutes or two minutes yeah, crosswinds or whatever yep. so, yeah. yeah and it, it'll be it'll be and you know the opening week is it's selective it's nervous it, it's anxious you've got a lot of fresh legs so you've got a lot of guys pushing for the front rather than in the third week you've got 50 guys pushing at the front the first week you've got 200 you've got every rider in that peloton fighting for a front position uh, we've got to talk about Alaphilippe. Yes, yep. we do have to talk about Alaphilippe. Uh, he could claim ju a yellow jersey very early on on this tour because of the shape of the stage one, stage two. It's, I think? mean, that's how he's done it the last two yeah. years, hasn't he? So that puncher sort of style of riding could, f uh, and, and the, the way the stages are in Brittany, that, that could be uh, like Van der Poel. He's up there with oh, the potential. These first two days. It would be great. Uh, well, just when you talk about Alaphilippe, and, and we already talked about Van Aert, Van der Poel. The first two days are going to be yeah, off fire. the charts. And normally we, we, know, we love, we get excited about a bunch sprint, a mass sprint to the line. And we would because we'd be cheering on Caleb. But 
these first two days and the murder baton is going to be because that that murder baton remember that's the stage Kedal Evans won yeah, when he when he won the tour it is it's a day for the GC guys but it's a day where Vanderpol could put 10 seconds into Alaphilippe yeah as well like you don't know Alaphilippe could drop everyone too yeah. or Wout Van Aert could you you know you just you don't know do you what can happen there I but outside of that I'm not sure I see anyone else winning on the murder baton. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe Roglic, maybe Pogacar. You know, that's, that's I the, don't see anyone else beating those guys. That, that's that's a good point, actually. Do you see some of the top favorites, so the Roglic and Pogacar? Uh, do you see them pinching straight away? Oh, they uh, have to. They have to. On, st- stage one, they've just got to finish with the leaders. They don't have to go with Vanderpol. If they can, they might, but they don't have to. Stage two, they've got to be there because it's a it's a proper climb. So stage it's two short. is Mio de Bretagne. Yes, yeah, and it's I mean it's only it's two kilometers, three kilometers. Yeah, it's, it's it varies, but it's you can lose a minute yeah. if if you're not on your game and if you're not in position as a GC guy, you can lose a minute on that climb because it's such a powerful sort of climb. And if you've got someone like Roglic, who let's face it, he always rides pretty good position. If he has the goods and able to go with someone like Matthew Vanderpol, and you got someone like Pogacar is out of position, Roglic could gain forty seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big that's a, buffer. That's a good way to start the. It's form. a good way to start the race. You don't want to be in yellow, yeah. but you're going to take it, aren't you? You're going to take the forty second advantage over your big rivals. If Absolutely. You can. And to conclude, uh, ten years since uh, Cadel won the Tour de France. I know. It's a, it's a big marker. I feel old. Uh, where were you when he won the Tour de France? Oh, you were in Saint Etienne. I was on the I was on the Champs Elysees interviewing <laughs> when, him when he won it. When, when he, he won, won it. it. Yeah. Uh, but does that bring memories to you always? Because there's ne- no one has ever won the Tour de France again from Australia. Uh, I didn't realize then. it was ten years. I, I realized earlier today um but um yeah no no look it's it's we should celebrate it we should celebrate every milestone year and having said this we will celebrate cadel throughout this tour de france you will see will we chat to him yeah hopefully we'll see see. there's some stuff that are in a a pipeline but i know and that's what i'm going to say about this yeah Uh, no no it's (laughs) stop that's what i'm going to say (laughs) (laughs) but like cast yourself back 10 years ago uh and how much expectation that was for Cadell to win the tour. He missed it a couple of times before. Yeah. And then that year, 10 years ago, he did it. I, I can tell you, and let's just spend a minute or two talking on this. I, there's there's parts of that race, most of it I remember vividly. And I remember, remember the, you know how we do the, the pre-press conferences, pre-race press conferences. And I remember we walked out of the pre, the BMC press conference and we all went, all of us, the producer, Tomo, myself, whoever else was there with us, um, we went, he seems relaxed. He, he, he seems good, doesn't he? He, he feels good. And then stage one, as I said, I think it was in, in Brittany, he was second or third on the stage. I think it was Gilbert that won. We went, wow, he's, he's, God, he's good. And every day we were sort of, the anticipation was building amongst our crew because he just kept producing. And then he won on Murder Bretagne in that first week, beat Contador. And Contador was sort of, he was close to his A game, Contador. You know, it turned out as the race went on, he wasn't at his best. But, you know, at that point in that first week, we didn't know. And he, he got Contador by a whisker, you know, at the end. And, you know, it was just, he didn't put a foot wrong. Kedal, he just did not put a foot wrong for that whole three-week journey. And, yeah, it, it's still to this day beautiful memories. And I'll never forget, 
I'll never forget um, Grenoble in the time trial. And for me, Grenoble. 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 I'm saying it for our English yeah, listeners. <laughs> I know we've got worldwide listeners. But yeah, but no, um, I'm correcting everyone. So. <laughs> um, that was, the, to me, that was the best moment. The Champs was yeah. the, the money shot. It. That's when he won it. That's when he claimed back. Yeah, that's, that's when, when he claimed it. And I remember our producer... Knowing that the next day nothing yeah, should nothing, happen. Yeah, and I remember our producer, we, he crossed the line, it was done. We got back to the truck and Stu Randall was our producer that year and he said, Macca, Rhino, Ryan Sheridan, who was the, the, my camera uh, guy for the, for the three weeks, who was incredible with the work he did, he said, you guys are staying here. So we caught the plane with the team. Okay. Uh, with the, sorry, with all of the teams, only, only us. We were the only camera crew and I think in an a, a, ASO crew. And um, I think I slammed down three pints of beer at the <laughs> hotel <laughs> in Grenoble. It just we were we were we were celebrating yeah. like Australia had just won the World Cup. It was an unbelievable feeling, and we were and it was really cool because all the other networks were coming around, knocking on our door, <laughs> opening the door and saying. Hey guys, well done, well done. Like, like suddenly we were like team personnel. They, they didn't even want footage. They just went, well done. Like, <laughs> yes. You've done it. You've it was so it. cool. It was, it was, and it was. It was like the underdog one sort of thing. Yeah, it was a, it was a special moment. You, uh, you can't see this on the podcast, but there's, there's a smile in your eyes when you. Oh, say it's all beautiful. It. <laughs> it really was. And like I said, we should, you know, we should never forget it. We won't, and and we'll celebrate it. SBS will, and you know, and that, you know, in 25 years, it'll be 25 years since. The first Australian won the Tour de France and hopefully yeah. we'll have another one Absolutely. Uh, before then. Uh, thank you, Maka, for joining this podcast. Too that's nice it? To, yeah, that's it. Mate, I was just hitting my straps. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got a certain time to, uh, to stick. Uh, you're right, you're but, right. And we also have 21 podcasts to do. We've got to pace so ourselves. Yes. You can join us every day uh, along the way of this Tour de France. Uh, what, I mean, last question I'm going to ask you, what do you most look forward to in this tour? I just, uh, gee, to sum it up, one word, excitement. The tour brings excitement, doesn't it? Look, we, as you know, we cover plenty of races and we covered the Giro this year for the first time for yeah. a number of years of the live coverage, that is. And the Giro's great, the Vuelta's great, the classics are excellent, but the tour is the tour. Yeah. It's, it's, it is the grand, can I say the grand poobah? Yeah, you can. It's, <laughs> it's the big dog. It's the biggest and the best of them all. The coverage is brilliant. Everything about it is just so good. And I think you, the fans listening, I think you'll agree, you just... You, you love the sleepless nights for the excitement. Absolutely. And then, of course, the tour is the tour. And we've got wall-to-wall coverage this mm. year on SBS. Uh, I'll be lucky enough to, to host Bonjour Le Tour mm. uh, at 5 o'clock every day. And then you're going to be on the co-hosting on the, on the live every night. Uh, and as yeah, in the podcast for you uh, in your ears every morning of the Tour de France, uh, hopefully by 7 a.m. if I'm uh, good enough. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it. And by the 18th of July, you'll all be sick of our voices. Absolutely. I'm and sure. I'll but be sick of for the good thing, my voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's wall-to-wall coverage on SBS. And uh, we hope we are enjo- we are enjoying it, but we also hope you are enjoying uh, this journey with us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we uh, leave and before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until the big start tonight, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When I walk into the commentary box and Matthew Vanderpool is on the start list, I know I'm going to have some fun. And when it comes to doing an interview, there are none better than Tour de France winner Garant Thomas. Like many of the riders at the Tour, both of them use Zwift as part of their training. They've even done a few races on Zwift 
and you can too. There are races for all levels with new events starting every five minutes. And thanks to the massive online community, there's always someone to line up against. Choose from a group ride, a road race, test yourself in an individual time trial, or dive into the Fun Is Fast series across the duration of the TDF for a real mix of events. I've had a lot of fun doing some of the races and gotten a real sense of accomplishment completing some of the Grand Fondos, particularly the long ones. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.